You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. And I know we uh, completely buried Cole last week. We we dug the ditch for him, just filled him up with, with new dirt and put him in a ditch and, and said <laughs> that he was no longer going to be with us. But he's back by surprise because he and Dalton did not expect that, but he is back. So uh, he will be on the podcast with us. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, every week, but sometimes everybody on the show misses a show or two. But he will be a full-time member of the Talking Star podcast again, and we're so excited to have him with us. Um, and that's probably the most excited you'll hear most of us today. A lot of us <laughs> might be a little doom and gloom. But before we get started and ruining everyone's afternoons or mornings, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, I'm happy to be back on the show. I'm happy to be talking Cowboys with y'all. And unfortunately, first show back, I guess, is talking about a loss, talking about a really disappointing loss. So um kind of sucks. And Doing a lot better today than I was Sunday night, I'll, I will say that. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I think everything's fine. Um, the Cowboys are going to be okay. Uh, we, we, saw, we saw signs on, on Sunday night um, of a completely different offensive and defensive scheme, uh, doing a lot of really, really <laughs> intriguing things on both sides of the ball. Uh, our linebackers are playing fantastic. Um, so yeah, I don't really know. We just got beat by a really, really, really good Rams team that might go undefeated. Just got so, outplayed. Out uh, I just look. think we got outplayed by the better team on Sunday night. That's all. I think everything just, else was perfect. I disagree with everything you said except the last thing because I do think the Rams are going to be pretty good this year. Um, but we're going to talk about all this. We're going to spend most of the podcast today talking about this Rams game. We're going to tie a little bit of the issues from the Rams game into the Falcons uh, game that's upcoming here in week two. Big Uh, disclaimer though. First, we actually don't know what we're talking about because we're going in this blind because for some reason, NFL game pass doesn't think that it is important to at four 43 in the afternoon on Tuesday. It is not important for writers that cover these football teams to have the all 22 coaches film, the people that break down this film and make their living off of watching these football games need this content. And we do not have it yet. Well, Dalton, as I told you earlier, um, I think the broadcast will, they'll show most of what the Cowboys did on offense and the Rams because the Rams threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, like 90% of the times and Amari Cooper ran four yard out routes. So, you know, the all 22 is going to be great for the secondary stuff, but, um, Unfortunately for, for the offense, uh, for both sides of the offense, we probably don't even need it, which yeah, is not good, can, and that's what we're going to talk about. Probably you can, watch Connor, you can watch Connor Williams get beat for many um, angles. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. So um, yeah. let's dive into it. Um, 
I guess the first thing I want to talk about is the game plan offensively against the the Rams, um, because I think that's probably the most disappointing thing, at least that, you know, I think all three of us kind of expected to see something different, even though we, we could be the stupid ones here, because even though a lot of the players and the coaches said not much is changing, just the verbiage, you know, some, some few things here and there. And that's kind of what it was. It was, it was, Jason Garrett's offense that looked a whole lot similar to what we actually, I'm not even call it Jason Garrett's offense because you know, Jason Garrett's offense and Kellen Moore's offense in 2019 attacked the middle of the field a lot. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see that at all. Really? For the most part, a lot of it was short, quick throws to the outside to Amari Cooper, some short, quick hitch stop routes to Michael Gallup. They got CD land the ball on the move a few times, and that was pretty much the entire offense. And then they, you know, they they ran the ball a ton on first down in the second half for whatever reason. Um, even though efficient, you know, the passing game was efficient on first down in the first half. Um, there just wasn't a whole lot of things that made a whole lot of sense, especially given the fact that they trailed in most of the game. Felt like they trailed in most of the game, um, and I think that those are some of the concerning things. Dalton, I want to start with you because I know we talked a lot last week about this game and some of the things that we were expecting to see on offense. And you know, if we had made a checklist, I don't know if we would have checked any of those boxes. So I wanted to kind of get your take on the Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy game plan going in, and and what you think went wrong. Uh, the heavy dosage of first down runs in the second half really did not help this football team. Um, listen, Ezekiel Elliott, first and foremost, he looked fantastic. Uh, the offensive line didn't do him a lot of favors when it came to blocking. I think none of them graded in like the top 30 at their positions throughout the entire week. And we're talking about guys in Zach Martin and Tyron Smith who are all pro level players. So they just did not play well this past week. Um, we didn't see any motion. We didn't see any play action whatsoever. And that's the, the most ridiculous part of the entire thing to me because Ezekiel Elliott, Slim Zeke, looked outstanding. And you guys know I'm not a running back guy. He you would never guessed. No, right? He <laughs> looked he looked like that special guy that we saw back in 2016 again. He looked the best he has since then. And so I oh, really expect good too. Of course, and he only had 10, sa- 10 snaps which the entire a, game, like which is ridiculous, <laughs> especially when you take into account that we lost our starting tight end on the you know, third drive of the game. We, yeah. we spent 90% of the podcast last week talking about attacking the linebackers in the middle of the field, and they did none of it. <laughs> Dude, it would have been so easy to just run a couple bootlegs and get the ball out to the flats with one of the running backs or even Dalton Schultz, who you know, had a 50-50 chance of catching the ball. But when he did catch it, he was going to get six yards because those young and unathletic linebackers can't cover anything and guess what the rams were able to do against the cowboys who are you know have a a, a linebacker who <laughs> got a big ass contract and they exploited him the entire time you know why because linebackers in the nfl for the most part just aren't very good there just aren't that many good ones well and i think similar to the running back position you know a lot of what they do is based on what the guys in front of you do um you yeah, know if, if the so linemen much- there's so much misdirection in yeah. that Rams offense, and, and it really showed 
just how far behind the Cowboys are there. Now, I don't know if they were trying to keep things simple because they were starting a a rookie UDFA player at right tackle. But, like, what is play action going to do to hurt that right tackle? If anything, if anything, probably if help. anything it's going yeah. to help that right tackle right. because you have to have that defensive end is going to have to slow down for a second and be able to try to read and react to run past there. And we're not, you know, we're again, I don't think what we're trying to say here is that the I know what we're trying to say is that the running game doesn't impact play action, but it still makes those defensive ends honest. It makes no, them no, hesitate. No, no, no. The, uh, just the, a little bit. The ability to run the football doesn't affect play action, but showing right, right. run, absolutely. The threat of it. Yes, right. and that's all it is. And they didn't do it. Man, I just, I don't get, I don't I don't get what they went into that game thinking they were going to do against that Rams defense. Like, well, what, what, was, what was the thought? What were we trying to attack? What were we trying to exploit? Mike McCarthy spent an entire year in a garage with a PFF account, <laughs> the free one, the free one, defense, <laughs> the free one. So, like, what are we doing here? Why are we not trying to exploit the weaknesses of that defense? Yeah, and Dalton brings up, you know, a great point. Kind of talking about McCarthy. You know, we heard a lot of talk. You know, a lot of excitement about the the new coaching staff in Dallas this year. Cole, I'm, I'm not asking you to grade the coaching staff by any means because it was Week One. Maybe there was just a let's get this you know, week one game in, see what yeah. we can do. But it was disappointing. I think in every, I, I think special, I didn't see any massive mistakes from a special team standpoint, um, but I did not like the defensive game plan in the first half. They did make some adjustments, but I like to see in the second half, but the offensive game plan just looked a whole lot like what we've seen the last four or five years, which is run the ball on first down, you know, maybe run the ball again on second down, and then hopefully Dak Prescott can, make a savior throw on third down and Mm -hmm. that is risky business and it proved to be risky business and it didn't work Um, but kind of what was your thoughts on the new coaching staff and maybe their game plans going into that game yeah it was just kind of odd because kind of like what y'all touched on we were told that uh, Mike McCarthy and Keller Moore were heavily into analytics that they wanted to throw the football that they wanted to attack down the field in the middle of the field they want to do all these kind of things and it made sense because you have a top ten quarterback. You have you have a trio of really good wide receivers. At the time, you had Blake Jarwin. I know he got hurt, but you have all these weapons. And we thought that Mike McCarthy was going to be able to elevate this unit. And he still might. We're only one weekend, but versus the Rams, we didn't see anything that we were really sold on. Like we thought that we were going to see more first down passes. We thought that Dak was going to hit the middle of the, of the field. We thought that. They are going to get all three wide receivers involved. Um, even Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard barely saw the field on Sunday. When he did, he looked good, but he just wasn't on the field for whatever reason. It was just really head scratching. I don't know what they were doing. I get that it was the first game. There's no preseason to work out some kinks. But overall, it just made no kind of sense. Um, like, even you don't even have to be a coach or, like, even know the sport of football to know it was just <laughs> stupid to just, like, so they have, you have Joe Looney at center. You have Connor Williams at, Left left guard who has a, who didn't perform well at all, and then you have an undrafted free agent at right tackle, and they thought it still made sense to run the ball on first down right at arguably the best player in the NFL, Aaron Donald, who was absolutely dominant in that game. It just made no kind of no logical sense at all for them to do that. Um, I saw a tweet that I think every possession that led to a punt started on a first down first run. Down run. Yep. It just we thought we were all convinced that that was going away when Jason Garrett left, that 
Keller Moore was the opposite of that, the anti-Jason Garrett. We thought Mike McCarthy, like y'all said, I guess he had the free PFF uh, <laughs> account and not he wasn't paying any money because he didn't really – based on everything, we were sold on like a completely different offense. And um, I get that not everything is going to be a complete 180 in week one. I get that you can't really show your hand completely. But just week one didn't make any kind of sense, no logical sense. And it was just really frustrating to watch unfold. Um, especially in the offensive side of the ball. I was expecting the defense to kind of struggle, and they did here and there. They couldn't really tackle. The Rams had success running the football. But the offense, we were so – I mean, we had we made 40 burgers. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I mean all, I, you know, sorry to cut you off, but, no. you know, I was going to say, like, I think if we would have talked about this last week and I would have said the Rams score 20 points Sunday night, we all probably would have said the Cowboys won. Yeah. Would you yeah. all three agree on that? For sure. And, it, and it's, you know, it's like, I think – I think defensively, I have a lot of question marks about the game plan going in too, because I could have told every defender. I mean, again, not to sound like I'm trying to say I know more than Cowboys coaching staff, but going into that game, I could have said they're going to run a ton of misdirection. They're going to use a ton of motion. They're going to use Robert Woods in motion on the the jet sweeps, the the jet fakes. They're going to have receivers crossing in and out of the line. And if you lose contain, if you just crash up field, they're going to hand that ball off or they're going to throw the screen behind you and it was like the first series it was like wow the rams run a lot of play action and they use a lot of motion and we yeah. just didn't expect that and it's like i don't I, yeah, I just, it's not it's, it's not like Sean McVay just completely changes off no, like, like i, I wrote, like, I wrote an article last week that yeah. was like Sean McVay is a great play caller. The Rams went nine and seven last year with like the worst offensive line play you could have possibly had and poor quarterback play. So, but they weren't going to change what they were going to do just because Todd Gurley wasn't going to be there. Like they were still going to run the ball. They were going to use their misdirection. They were going to be successful running the ball and they were going to use that success and the threat of the run to run a lot of, lot of misdirection in the, the, the running game. They were going to use the play action game, the jet sweep game. Like they were going to do all the same things they normally do. And it, like I said, it was like Mike Nolan's unit went into that game. I was like, this is just shocking to us that this is what yeah. we're seeing. And, and like you I mean, head scratching is the best word to use. Because mm-hmm. um, both offensively and defensively, like the Rams are a really good football team. But I feel like going into that game, you should have known the ways to attack them. And that is it's attack not like the linebackers in the middle of the field, you know, go at Troy Hill, you know, go with the runs, the the rookie, the young uh, slot cornerback, like test some of those safeties. And instead they ran four to five yard, you know, stop routes and out routes and hitch routes that didn't give receivers a chance to pick up yards after the catch. They didn't run a whole lot of play action to get those young, inexperienced linebackers to come downhill, you know, respecting the run. And they didn't move the pocket at all. So yeah. Aaron Donald, so- Michael Brockers, and Leonard Floyd, and Ja'Kai Polite were just able to pin their ears back, and they didn't have a threat of the run to worry about. So when it was a pass and play, they knew it. They pinned their ears back and got them. And when it was a run and play, the entire line was getting destroyed. So it was just... Yeah, it's not like they... Uh- Came into the game doing a lot of play action, um, attacking the middle of the field, doing all the things that you're talking about on defense as well as being prepared for the misdirection and play action, all that kind of stuff. It's not like they did that and they just lost. They just beat. They couldn't execute. Like Dak had a bad game, or a defense couldn't do this or that, or went on. They didn't. The thing that makes it so like head scratching is they didn't do any of that. Like they, yeah. 
And they well, still they, had a chance to win the game. So you think they, if they would have done one of those things, right. they, come they, they, out did, they did in the two-minute warning before half and yeah. moved down the field like it was the easiest thing. And then they went away from it. <laughs> it, it just it, Head scratching is the best way to describe it. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that. And Dalton, I want to get your take on it. Um, that two-minute drill that they had before the half, why can't we just run that? Like, like I don't understand. It worked too why, well. Why, why do coaches feel like in the NFL that that can only be used in certain times? Because, it, I mean, again, like, I know you can't stay in no huddle. I know you can't stay with the super extreme tempo throughout an entire game. But you can run those same plays throughout the game. Like, that was just – and, again, it goes back to, I think, just when Dak Prescott, like, has the reins, he's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. But when coaches kind of, like, don't give him the reins – I feel like it's just very limited. It's very conservative. And Dalton, I was going to get your take on that. Why do you think that is? That's a good question, man. Trust thing? Is it a conservative, I don't want to turn the ball over thing? I don't get it. (laughs) At some point, I have to start thinking, like, what is the issue? Why is he so free when it comes to the two-minute drill? And why is he a different player when it comes to the normal down-to-down stuff. Now, I, this might just be working the, the Jason Garrett conservatism off of himself, um, but he's always been good in the two-minute situations. When he doesn't have anything to lose, he drops back, he throws the ball all around the yard, he completes passes, he gets out of the pocket, makes big plays, and th- that's consistent. And so, no, man, like, I don't understand why these coaches, well, I know why. It's because they don't want their defense to be out on the field for any longer than they have right. to. And they feel the there's Chiefs this necessity. Care. They feel like there's this necessity to, to win the time of possession yeah. battle. Like, the time of possession battle means anything. Listen, <laughs> bro, go up and put more points up on the board than your opponent. That, yeah. at the end of the day, is all that matters. And when you are more effective, when you are in the no huddle, and we've seen that the past couple of years from Dak Prescott, you don't have to use it all the time. You shouldn't use it all the time because your offense and your defense will tire out. Now, your opponent's offense and defense will also tire out, but just do it every once in a while, once a quarter, twice a quarter, not even for full series. Just if you get a matchup that you like, if you if you have the defense, you know, in a, a personnel grouping that is to your advantage. Make them stay on the field for two, three, four plays at a time, and then you can kind of regroup back and get into a groove of what you want to run again. But I, I just don't get why we have to to run slow and and put ourselves in tough situations on third down. And <laughs> I just think that if you let Dak cook. And just let him drop back and pass. Let him run play action. Give him a few plays to run through. This offense will open up. Done. I and it's not like po- you just. And it's not like you just have to pass the ball when I you thought, get into these these you know no no huddle situations. You can still run it. I thought I thought you were crying when you paused. <laughs> when no. you just paused and hesitated, I literally just saw you. I'm, obviously, I'm looking at you on Skype, and your eyes drop, and you stopped for like two seconds, and I literally just thought you were crying, and I was Listen, my stomach kind of that's... turned, and I was like, "Is he gonna drop tears on the podcast over how bad the offensive game plan was?" 
Uh, I mean, I, we all felt that, but I, I didn't know if we were going to get it. The real life, the <laughs> real life. Listen, as as the great Dewey Cox once said, there's a lot of pain in here, Darlene, and there is a lot of pain. In, like, it's just, it's an abusive relationship, and I, and honestly, man, like I don't say that to be funny whatsoever because I'm, I'll never make light of you know domestic abuse. This this that's what the Dallas Cowboys are. And it's been 27 years of it now. Yep. And, and, it, and there's nothing that has changed, no matter what. And at some point, like, I, I saw this with the, the Cleveland Browns. Like, oh, you changed head coaches, coordinators, uh, front offices, receivers, players. At some point, you just have to start to blame the quarterback in, in, in Cleveland. At some point, we just have to say, this is on Jerry and Steven, period. At some point, you can change players, you can change coaches, yeah. you can change front office. At some point, it, it comes down to the, the owners. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think that because the owners are so meddling and because the owners are the, is the general manager and the COO, I think that they have a hand in what they want this team to look like. They've talked about having a hand in what this team looked like. And I think that they want to give Zeke El, Elliott the ball because they're sitting back in the 1990s thinking that you can sit back and pound on the teams in the mouth and that's how you're going to win football games and that's just not the way it happens anymore yeah i mean it's and got, all you have to do is watch kansas city that's yeah. that is an excellent point because i mean again as much as we like what the team did this this year with the draft free agency like nothing nothing seemed to have changed like and and again it could be what you said like a a a idea of what this team wants to look like and i also just wonder in the back of my head like as silly as it sounds like is it just you know, when your owner's a billionaire and every time he talks, everyone listens, like, does it just feel like you don't have to show up and do anything and you're still going to get talked about and be in the news? Like, I wonder if there's just a, a certain, you know, I guess, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like complacency. Yeah. Like no matter what, we're going to be successful as a business. So like, you know, we can just do whatever we want because, yeah. you know, there's nothing that's really going to hurt our reputation. Um, and I wonder if, I wonder if some of that's in the player's head and the, the coaching's head and they just don't feel like they have to, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that that's accurate because, you know, obviously I've played competitive sports my whole life and, you know, you guys have too. And like, you, you feel like you want to give your hardest every time and you want to go out there and win every time. But I just wonder in the back of like professional athletes heads, if it's mm -hmm. just like, and coaches heads, if it's just like, eh, you know, we're the Cowboys. America's team, you know, the, the Jalen's yeah, a lot of people talk about Jalen Smith in that way, you know, where he'll go out, have the worst game of his the career, brand. have an interview with the sunglasses on and just be like, yeah, you know, we got to be better next week. And it's like, we're tired of hearing that. It's been 25 years, like mm -hmm. go out there and, you know, stop getting mushed in the screen game. Like you're supposed to be this aggressive downfield, like hard hitter, like don't give up 25 yards on a screen play because an offensive lineman just ran you into the sideline. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and take a break, come back and we're going to talk a little bit more, maybe introduce some of the defense in this. Cause we did talk a lot about the offense. There was some good, you know, I feel like Trayvon Diggs played really well. Um, he did give up a touchdown, give up a few catches, but thought he was a, a bright spot for his first game. Um, there was some more things that we want to talk about as well. Alden, Alden Smith had a really good game as well. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we will, we will be right back. We are talking the star. And we're back on the Talk in the Star podcast. 
I'm your host, Connor Livesy, here with both of my co-hosts tonight, Cole Patterson and Dalton Miller. Uh, go ahead and follow us all on Twitter at Connor NFL Draft, at Dalton B. Miller, and at Cole L. Patterson. Uh, make sure you're giving Blogging the Boys a follow on Twitter as well, and make sure you are subscribing to the Blogging the Boys podcast network um, on whatever podcast platform you listen to, uh, listen on, I should say. Um, a lot of good shows on there from a lot of different voices. So uh, make sure you're getting a ton of different opinions from a ton of informed folks, and uh, it'll make you a smarter fan, hopefully, um, because a lot of people call me an idiot. So maybe I'm not <laughs> making you a smart fan, but um, let's talk a little bit about the the bright spots. We we were pretty doom and gloom in the first first half of this, and I feel like we deserve to, you know, we we have the the right to do that when they play the way they did and they go in with, with silly approaches and silly game plans. But I feel like there were some bright spots. You know, Dalton mentioned how well Ezekiel Elliott played. I thought he was fantastic. I thought the quarterback played pretty well for the most part. Um, C.D. Lamb did some good things. Michael Gallup did some good things. The offensive line was pretty bad. But on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Alden Smith had a sack, had a few other pressures, had a few other key stops. Um and then Trayvon Diggs in his first start in the NFL had a pretty solid game as well. Uh, Cole, did you see anything else from the defensive side of the ball that kind of um, impressed you or, or, you know, softened the blow a little bit? Uh, I wouldn't say anything else because those were the two things, at least in my opinion, that really stood out to me were Alden Smith and, and Diggs. I think they both played pretty well. Um, I believe, I think PFF rated Alden Smith as one of the better edge rushers in week one he was able to make a presence which is really good to see just because we heard a lot of good things about him throughout training camp so it's good to see that you know come to fruition and be able to show up on the football field given that he hasn't played a snap in five years um also really liked what i saw from Diggs, just in the fact that he's a rookie you didn't know what to expect in in week one um obviously he gave up a catch he gave up a touchdown he had some plays he might want back but overall i feel like it was a good performance out of a guy that was starting his first game um, first time in the league against the Sean McVay offense that can be a little it can make you think a little bit more than other offenses and he really uh I think rose to the challenge I think he I mean he almost had the interception in that game I think overall he played pretty well and I think you have to like what what he brings to the table moving forward um maybe just me being negative obviously we haven't seen the uh all 22 or anything like that but I just still have a bad taste in my mouth from the defense. I know that, like you said, if if we were told that that the Rams would score 20 points, we would think the Cowboys won. So, I mean, you have to you have to give it to them. There was some bend, don't break throughout the game. It just seemed like they couldn't stop the run. They didn't know where to go. Obviously, that kind of falls on the defensive game plan and uh, Mike Nolan. But, you know, overall, it was just – I think those two, for me, were the two most impressive, all things considering. Um I didn't see much out of Dante Poe that I was wanting to see. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot more uh, negative than positive, I think. Yeah, I was know. trying to make this a positive point before <laughs> I get sorry. to Dalton. I was super disappointed in Dante Poe and Tyron Crawford. Um, we talked a lot about, you know, Tyron Crawford being a, you know, a key contributor on this defense, and he just didn't show up at all, um, which is yeah. they're going to need him to, whether it's interior or rushing off the end, like they're going to need Tyron Crawford to provide something. And, you know, he was non-existent in that game. Dalton, do you have any positives from the defense that you want to talk about other than the ones we kind of touched on? Are we just doing defense right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, man. I, I, You know I wasn't super high on Trayvon Diggs. Like I liked him coming out. He was, was a, 
he was a second round guy for me. I thought that he had some some issues when it came to you know mirror matching, um, the fluidity in his hips. I kind of questioned his long speed overall. Um, not not his long speed necessarily, but his ability to uh, accelerate. Um, uh, and he kind of has the the top end speed. It's just the the acceleration to keep guys through the the, the stem. But man, he was good. He yep. he really really was. The, he you know got beat by two perfect passes. Um, one by my guy, my wide receiver five Van Jefferson, um, who despite being an AARP member, still a good football player coming out of uh, Florida. Um. But yeah, I, I thought that that Diggs was good. Obviously, you already talked about Alden Smith. I, I thought that the the uh, spin move on third down was really really nice to be able to get in there. I felt like he was making plays constantly. Um, I might have missed it, but listen, Tristan Hill looked like a serviceable football player last night, and yeah. that that's positive. Like just straight up, um, he made some splash plays against the run. Which I mean, when you get anything out of Tristan Hill whatsoever, that's a that's a plus. That's a, that's a good day. Um, other than that, man, I, I know that – listen, I know that Tank probably had a decent game. I didn't notice him really. Um, yeah. He had the knockdown. Um, he had the one pressure on third down where Jared Goff had to you know, kind of sc- scoot out to his right. But other than that, I didn't really notice him all that much. Uh, all the linebackers were bad. There's nothing to report there. Um, and then you know, in the secondary, Cheeto had the interception. I don't think that he got exposed in any way yesterday. Um, I think most of our issues when it came to coverage was in the flats. Like we just got nickel and dime the entire way down the field. And and that's upsetting because the one thing we can say is that the tackling wasn't very good overall. Um, And then I think that Darian Thompson, although he wasn't good, he wasn't pathetic. You know what I mean? Like, I was expecting somebody who was going to be markedly worse than Jeff Heath because, let's be honest, he couldn't start over Jeff Heath last year. Like, he was Jeff Heath's backup. So I was expecting somebody to come in and be absolutely horrendous, and uh, he was just bad. So that's a, a net positive for me. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, I haven't watched the All-22 yet. Um, you know, I think that that's something we're going to hopefully get here soon but um I don't think Xavier Woods kind of what you're talking about Darian Thompson like I think he made a few splash plays in the run game didn't notice him a whole lot and that's a player that you're gonna have to look at the all 22 to kind of see how he actually does um so I'm interested to see kind of how he played in coverage on the back end um but I did see him show up in the running game a little bit um and like you said about Demarcus Lawrence he led the team in pressures according to the team which was a little bit surprising but um I thought he played a lot better than a lot of people make it seem because a lot of people just think that he's non-existent and you know the diff- the thing that I do do want to touch on is Alden Smith played really well Alden Smith saw a lot of tight ends too that's that's kind of the difference between Demarcus Lawrence is lining up against yeah. but the, he manhandled Tyler oh, yeah. Higby. oh yeah he did yeah. which, which again, is like, what which is what you should do as a 280 right. pound defensive See, end and mm-hmm. I wish I wish that Mike Nolan would do the the J.J. Watt thing, where he moves J.J. Watt around to put him on the worst players. So I wish that Demarcus Lawrence would see some snaps against Tyler Higby because, again, Alden Smith looked really good against, you know, seeing a lot of tight ends. You know, he obviously he got some some work against the left tackle as well, but 
I wish that they would move Tank around a little bit so he can at least just see a different player. A player can see him. And it just I, I feel like he'd be more productive as a player if he didn't line up against the same player for 100% of his snaps. Um, but like you said, he, he did have the, the, the batted down pass. Um, he was disruptive in some running plays, and he did have four pressures on the quarterback. I think he made a really big play on golf, too, that kind of he scrambled out and looked like he was going to to pick up a first down that I think he ran him down in the first half um, that forced a, a third down that they later converted. But um, I still think DeMarcus Lawrence is a key. You know, he this defense kind of, I think, is going to go as far as he plays. Um, and I think if he can play – good football that this defense will be be good um so that's my take on the defense Dalton you kind of asked before you started there did you have some offensive players that you wanted to touch on with some positivity yeah I thought CD was good um I, I feel like he's going to end up being the best wide receiver on this football team by the end of the year do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah sure um <laughs> He was pretty dynamic with the ball in his hand. I mean, we saw what he was able to do on uh, some of those punt returns, which is something that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, so the, his ability with the ball in his hands is good. Now, I mean, I wish that he had like another 15 pounds on him. That would be fantastic. So he could actually break some of those uh, arm tackles that did end up bringing him down yesterday. But yeah, I mean, they did a couple things yesterday to get him the ball specifically. Obviously, there was the fourth down call. They did another one where they got him the ball out really quick uh, on, you know, I think it was a bubble, um, to try to get him the ball and be able to make play after the catch. Um, and it wasn't, it just wasn't blocked very well. I think that, you know, we didn't see a ton uh, of targets when it came to Michael Gallup. And I think part of that was because we had, you know, Jalen Ramsey going back and forth between Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And you're going to see uh, the rookie get some really favorable matchups in the slot throughout the year. And I think that, you know, if we finally do start attacking the seam a little bit and attacking that middle of the field, that's somewhere where C.D. Lamb was really able to flourish uh, at Oklahoma. And I think that... By the end of the season, with the inability for uh, Amari Cooper to be consistent when it comes to consistently catching the ball or just uh, being able to stay healthy at all, I think that you're going to see, you know, kind of a battle uh, for the top spot between Michael Gallup and Amari er, and uh, Ceedee Lamb. And I'm I love Michael Gallup, but I think Ceedee Lamb has legitimate wide receiver one potential, and I see. Um, you know, Michael Gallup is more of a high-end two, and I think that that's fine. And when Amari Cooper can be your number one guy for a week here and there, that's fantastic. I just you're, he's not going to give it to you week in and week out. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think CD definitely has the highest ceiling of the receivers on this team, and it was. I think it for me it was telling that they went went towards him on uh, on on that fourth down call. I mean I know it didn't work out how they wanted it to all that, but the fact that they wanted the ball in his hands in that situation, they trust him enough to return punts, all these kind of stuff. I think I think his ceiling, I think his ability, I think I agree with you in the fact that I think he is the top guy by the end of the year. I think I'm not sure it takes the whole season for him to establish himself as that guy, and I think that's really exciting for for the offense. Yeah, and I agree with uh, everything you guys were saying about Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. I think both of those guys played, you know, really well um, throughout the game. I wish Michael Gallup would get more involved in the game plan because I think that he's a guy that can 
do damage after the catch. He's a pretty solid route runner that can create some separation. He's physical at the catch point. So he's a guy that I don't understand why you wouldn't scheme, you know, eight to 12 targets to a game easy. And it just felt like that that number wasn't even close to happening. Um, you know, I, I think the reason I wanted you to talk a little bit about, you know, CD maybe taking over as the best receivers. Cause you know, I felt like that Amari Cooper game was, you know, solid, but that's all it was. Um, he had what I consider two pretty big drops. Um, one might not have resulted in a first down, but it would have made it, made it fourth and short, maybe a situation where you go for it there, that he just wasn't even looking for the football, um, which is just, I don't know. I mean, again, I understand that there's there's play calls, there's routes that are ran to go to certain people, but sometimes when those things aren't open, like your receivers, if you're making $100 million as a receiver, like you should be looking for the football on, on, on third down, um, whether the ball's coming to you or not, whether you're that hot route or not. Um, and then he had the... He had the ball that he, I don't know if you want to call it a drop, where he took the big hit from Ramsey on third down, but like that's a ball that a $100 million receiver has to hold on to. Um, Michael Thomas caught one um, that he got rocket, you know, he got crushed on. Uh, James Conner caught one that he got crushed on, almost the same exact play, and it's just, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, crush the guy for it, but it's just pretty, I don't know, disappointing, I guess might be a word to use for a guy who just got paid big money to kind of come up and, he just never, I don't know, I think our buddy Mike White on Twitter kind of describes it perfectly. Like, he just doesn't give much energy, and it's kind of just hard to ever tell if he's fully invested or not. And it's hard to kind of just, you know, really, I don't know, like, you know, I feel like we go to kind of war for Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb because of the way they kind of carry themselves and how they, you know, play hard. And sometimes you just don't get that same vibe from Amari Cooper. And, again, don't want to crush the guy too much, but it's just, I think – Michael Gallup and CD Lamb or or you know could really take that that you know top mm. spot from them and it wouldn't surprise me if it happens sooner rather than later just because of the the energy and effort that they bring to the position and and what they can do from a game to game basis but again you know don't want to make too many assumptions after one game but the and again he caught what 10 balls for he had he didn't have a bad game by any yeah. means it's just you know we're looking mm-hmm. you're making 100 million dollars from the wide receiver position like you know, and again, some of it's not his fault. We talk about it with Dak. Um, you know, some of the things he told like quick outs to the sideline, and you know when that happens, it's hard for you to do, but so much. So, you guys got anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so, man. Yeah, I think good luck. Good luck against. <laughs> good luck against Grady Jarrett and that defensive line and Tack McKinley and uh, yeah. I mean, just just good luck. Yeah. Luckily, that's all we can say. Luckily, Grady Jarrett is a excellent football player. He's not Aaron Donald, so that's that's that is one thing the Cowboys have going into their Week Two matchup against the Atlanta Falcons is they will not have to face Aaron Donald, and that is great news. We want to thank everyone for listening. This is the Talk of the Star podcast, and we will see you guys next week.